welcome to the No BS Spiritual Book Club's live video series and joining me today to share the stories behind the 10 books that influenced her the most on her life journey is award-winning author and change catalyst, hypnotherapist and corporate speaker Georgina Cannon. So a little bit about Georgina for those of you who are not familiar with her work is prior to a 22 plus year career in coaching and counselling, Georgina spent 23 years in journalism and leading corporate communications agencies, travelling worldwide, assisting clients in designing communication strategies. And then in 1997, she left the corporate world to study Reiki and colour therapy and various psychotherapy models, including Gestalt, NLP, psychodrama, hypnotherapy and regression therapies. And after opening the Ontario Hypnosis Centre School, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation asked her to do a show about past life regression. That series was the catalyst for Georgina's first book, Return, which ultimately led to Georgina becoming a regular host of Shirley MacLaine's website chatroom and an occasional host of Shirley MacLaine's radio show. So, Georgina Cannon, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you from across the pond. <laughs> so let's start by asking you how challenging was it for you, a lover of books, to distill this list down to just 10? It was painful. It took me uh, four or five days. And every time uh, I removed a book from my pile, my pile started off. I went to, I have three rooms that have um, bookcases in them. And every room has a different theme, so to speak. So I pulled down, I went, got your email, pulled down the books that were my favorites from each room. And then I looked at the floor because they were all on the floor and I thought, there must be at least 40 or 50 books here. What am I gonna do? And I went through them all and culled two or three that first day. And it broke my heart. I felt like I was losing my children. I felt like I was disowning my children and saying, you're not good enough. I mean, it was awful. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't good enough to make the final cut. Eventually I got down to 15 and then I chose my top three and then the rest sort of fell into place. Although I did cheat a little under poetry, <laughs> as you may have noticed, I've got, uh, instead of one, yes. I've got three names, but I also managed to slip in lots of other names of writers and people I love in between my comments. Um, so I, I just couldn't leave my children behind. It was painful. It always amuses me the way that contributors kind of slide the extra ones in. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, the complete works off and so on. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I yeah. mean, I had, had to mention people like Dylan Thomas. You know, you yeah, have to mention people like James Baldwin. You just have to mention, you know, Alice Walker. How could you not make them uh, known and, and applauded and recognized as people who make change at a spiritual level through their words? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as a former journalist and a communication specialist, I mean, I know how much you value words. Oh, yes, yes. In my next life, I'm going to come back as Dylan Thomas or John Steinbeck, I think, or somebody who maybe even Hemingway, although I don't like what he did to animals, but by and large, um, as a writer, that the use of language is extraordinary. Yeah. And the poets, oh, they move me to tears sometimes. 
I know some some people have such a way with descriptions that you think, how did you come up with that? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I don't know about you, but I find a lot of my work, certainly my books are channeled in. Um, the ideas are channeled in. And when I read them the following day, because you always check up what you wrote the following day, I think, where did that come from? Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> and there it is on the page and you, uh, yeah, a lot of mine is channeled in. Yeah, I think that's uh, so true. And it's, it's usually the best work mm -hmm. is the work about which you say, who wrote that? That's right. Who wrote that? Yeah. And of course, so, the more we read, the better our writing gets. Absolutely. Yeah. So off your list, um, did you do it in order? Or is it just, you know, here's 10 books, not number one is my top and number two is the second top. I did the top uh, one and two and three um, because they made the most impact, not only on me, but when I refer them to my clients, uh, they make the most impact on my clients. Okay. Well, let's get started with number one and you can show us this dog-eared um, <laughs> piece of the fly leaf that you carry around with you. And this yes. is a book that comes up again and again and again and again for very good reasons. Four and agreements. it is The Four Agreements, A Practical Guide to Personal Freedom by Don Miguel Ruiz. Yeah. And that was published in 1997. Really? And my goodness, you know, what a simple, profound book it is. It's extraordinary. And this is the, this, I cut the fly leaf off and I carry this around. You see how dog it is. I, it's all it's scrunched up. And I carry it in my phone case, not because I read it every day, but because the energy of it reminds me to be of my best self. And I also have printed this off. And sometimes I give it to clients who forget who they are at a soul level, because the four agreements are be impeccable with your word. And, you know, be true, be, be impeccable with your word. The second one is don't take anything personally. And everybody goes, huh, how can you possibly not take everything personally? Well, you can. Um, don't make assumptions is another big one and always do your best. So even if you're feeling, feeling like, I won't say shit online, but if you're feeling like <laughs> awful and you're not feeling well and you're not feeling your top, um, do the best you can at that time. Don't give in to being second best. This really does say use your best self. Always use your best self. That's why I, I love it. And now... Do you remember when that book came into your life? Yeah, I picked it up and I thought, oh, here's another woo-woo, you know, another shaman pretending to be something that we should all be. And I opened it up and I didn't get beyond the flyleaf, actually. And I thought, wow, this makes so much sense. And then I read the book and realized that it resonated at a very deep level. And it also put the finishing line ahead of me. You know, it's one of those things that, one of those books and one of those situations where you can, it helps you become the best you can be by showing you what's possible. Yeah. So it was my, it was my North Star, if you like. It was my goal and I've held it out in front of me ever since. And it, it changed me, changed me radically. And the big one was um, don't take anything personally and always do your best. But don't take anything personally was a big one. Yeah, you know, this is a very big one. 
it's a big one, particularly because I grew up in, my, in a not exactly wonderful environment and um, was always looking for approval. So this led me to my core and to my true self. It, it was fantastic. Yeah. Good. Number two, dear God, what's happening to us? Haunting eons of manipulations by Lynn Grabhorn. Lynn Grabhorn uh, went through a period of time where she didn't understand what was happening to her. And she realized after much research that she was being attacked by um, what we could call evil forces or dark energies. And she developed a prayer that is so powerful that it prevents the dark forces um, going beyond your aura and getting into you or those you love around you. And since I read that book, um, I've given it to um, my clients who are haunted uh, or with her permission. I got her permission way back when, when I had my clinic and school. And um, anybody that having having trouble with seeing images or um, having beings, even extraterrestrial beings that are uninvited, this prayer will keep them away. It protects you. It's very powerful. And I'm eternally grateful for her for that. She was extraordinary in sharing it and um, developing it, and it works. And I strongly recommend that anybody who's having trouble at that level get the book and get the prayer. Or they can contact me and I'll send it to them. Good. Number three, you love this book, don't you? Um, supposedly a children's book, The Little Soul and the Sun, oh. a children's parable adapted uh, from conversations with uh, God. Uh, uh. <laughs> this book, um, well, you can look, talk about dog-eared. Look at it. I've shown it to every client, every woman who's come into my clinic who's abused emotionally, physically. Uh, I've shown it to teenagers who have anger <clears throat> issues. I don't show it to them. I get them to read it. I say, take five minutes and read this book. And when they finish it, they're either in tears or they get a whole new perspective of life and where they fit into life. This book, and, and I also read it to my students in class, but I, I always end up crying at the last page. Um, I've, I've got most of his books, Neil Donald Walsh, Conversations with God, one, two, and three, and all his others. But this one is the most powerful in my mind and it makes the most change. It's a catalyst that makes the change. It helps people understand they have a purpose and it helps people understand that everyone has a purpose. And that person that's hurting you has hurt you, has dismembered um, you from the heart, um, came in and is playing that role so that you may learn something. So what is it you're here to learn? And the final words in this book is, remember from God, remember I've sent you nothing but angels. So these people that are hurting you have come in and playing a role so that you may learn. And next time we come around, you may play a role for them or someone else that is uncomfortable or unkind so that other person can learn. And it's such a beautiful story and, and it simplifies life it helps you look at people differently. Now, talking of differently, you say that when you first read Conversations with God, 
it changed your perception of religion. Tell me more about that. Well, I, I'd always, I hadn't grown up, uh, my background is Jewish, but more of a tribe than a religion. I hadn't grown up in a religion at all. And I always thought it was like hogwash, people speaking a language that I don't understand or pretending to do this and pretending to do that. And I, the religion that I'd grown up with and experimented with, because I'd been experimented with Catholicism, I went to, you know, depending on the man I was going out with or the boy I was going out with at the time. That's the religion I borrowed at the time. And none of them seemed to resonate. They seemed like theater to me. Um, and I, I just thought, oh, well, you know, that's fine for them. It's not for me. Uh, I'll stick with what I believe, which is, I think nature is, is my God. You know? And then um, I read this and I realized that we are all um, splinters of God or sparks of light from the creator and when we return home to our soul self we go back into the light and however you want to this is my perception however you want to envisage the light or your god um, that's home and we leave home to learn to grow to help others learn and grow to experience to connect, to evolve, uh, to yeah, evolve. Not, not, this is not revolution, it's evolution. And the closer we come to the light, people like Gandhi, people like uh, Martin Luther King, people who give over themselves to the light. These are the people that become the avatars and the, and the angels, if you like, our guides that help us get there. So sometimes we play a role in the dark. How can you know dark if you can't know light? How can you know light if you can't know dark? To quote him. <laughs> so that's what it did for me. It opened up my <clears throat> eyes. I've always spouted the words, there's more than one way to look at things. And it opened my eyes to the fact that this is another way of looking at God or the creator. <clears throat> that's what it did for me. Mm. Mm. Book number four, now this, this was an interesting one because when I was first given this book back in the 80s, I think it was, um, I just thought, no, this, I, you know, I, I can't take this one. It's a bit too far out there. But of course, as time went on, then the book uh, appealed to me a lot more and made a lot more sense to me. So this is Strangers Among Us by Ruth Montgomery. Oh, and, bless her heart. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, if you believe in soul and you, you believe that the body is just the casing for the soul, then when you read her book about walk-ins, it makes so much sense. And I personally believe that I'm a walk-in. Um, let's get off me for a bit and go on to other people. We all know, or most of us know people who've had a very serious illness, had an accident, had a, a car crash, or had a heart attack. And we all say, funny, he's a totally different person, or she's a totally different person now. She's softer, she's kinder, she somehow listens, she's become a, a different human being. That, I believe, is a walk-in. Uh, I had an accident, a car accident, um, it wasn't devastating, but it certainly was a shock. I banged my head, I still got the scar. I had to be taken to hospital. 
it was something that needn't have happened. And in re realistic terms, it shouldn't have happened. Something made it happen, right? Uh, so, uh, and all I remember about the accident, because I was on my way to a meeting, corporate meeting, I was in the corporate world, and I had a very expensive yellow silk blazer on. I think it might've been Prada or something. Then I had a lot of money. <laughs> I spent a lot of money on clothes. Um, all I remember is looking down and saying, oh my goodness, I've got blood all over the front of my blazer. This is not gonna be wearable anymore. And then there's people knocking at the door and it was at the car door and it's fire engines and everything. Then I came to and I didn't even want the blazer or the clothes. It was just, it's it, not that they were stained, it just didn't belong to me. It literally was a change. And I haven't spoken out loud about this before, I should tell you, madam. <laughs> <laughs> um, and very shortly thereafter, I left the corporate world. Didn't know what to do. So were you aware at that time that you were different? I, I wasn't, but my friends were. And they would laugh at me. Think, what, what are you doing this woo-woo stuff? What is this? You know, um, I, I did some strange, I sold Avon, which was not anything I would normally do. Um, I was, you know, I was managing director of a very large organization with four offices across Canada and staff. And it, 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 just, it just didn't fit. I was very different. And then so I this is when you started investigating Reiki and color therapy yes. and- yes. And aromatherapy, aromatherapy, ooh, aromatherapy, crystals. Are you crazy? That sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So what were you looking for? The way home. I was looking for connection to home, connection to other hearts, other beings, other souls. Uh, I don't want to sound too woo-woo here because to me it's very pragmatic. It's not woo-woo at all. I wanted to find the light in myself because that soul came into me to use the body because it was a strong body. I mean, it's a very serviceable body and to spread the story. And as a journalist, I knew how to spread the story. So I could use my communication skills to spread the story. And it's worked brilliantly, not only through books, but through teachings and through the clinic. And yeah, I, I feel very blessed that it happened to me. So when I read that book, I thought, yes, that's what happened. That's what it was about. Okay, thank you. I, I got it now. So at what point after this transition, this change, did you feel, okay, I... Uh, I've kind of got what I'm looking for. I know what I'm looking for. I know how to move forward with this. Um, I guess when the two parts started to come together. So when I was called on at the last minute to do ground rounds in a hospital, and I thought it would be talking to four doctors, and I ended up talking to like 400. I felt like Mickey Mouse in one of those big circular theaters you see in the cartoons. And I thought, oh, my skill, presentation skills came in from the corporate world and I could do it. And I thought, thank you, God, whoever you are, that you brought me this piece of me into this piece of me that's allowed this to happen. 
So I now know how to get the word out. I now know how to spread it through. Is that making sense? It is, it is. And I have a, um, a curiosity here because I do wonder, I think about walk-ins and I have had a, an experience myself that I wouldn't regard as a walk-in, but I tend to look upon as almost like retrieving another aspect of myself that gave me access to more. Right, right, another part of you. Yeah. Well, we're all everything, right? We're all everything. Yeah. We're all kind and good, we're all smart and stupid, we're all unkind, we're all, we're all everything. It's a piece we choose to use in each lifetime that makes us who we are, mm. I believe. But I also believe that, that, that there's a time when you know you've done what you had came to do. That's it. This body's still good. You know, let's recycle it, the ultimate recycling program. Let's recycle it and uh, give it another life. So what was it about hypnotherapy that attracted you? Oh, the f well, I, I got an inkling from it, from psychodrama therapy, the power of the subconscious mind. Yeah. And I've always loved stories. I mean, I've always loved listening to people's stories. Um, so once you understand that 90, 95% of what we do every day is what we did yesterday, which as a creative person, when I first heard that, I thought, oh, please, not me. I mean, I'm fresh every day with new creative ideas. No, 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 no. How you get out of bed in the morning, how you hold your mug, how you nod your head when you're listening. 95% of what we do every day, including our emotions, how we feel about things, uh, our, our reaction, our voice, our conversation, our use of language is a pattern of what we did yesterday. So if you want to change that, you have to go to the blueprint. And the blueprint is your subconscious mind. So the blueprint is all of your patterns, behaviors. Some are very good and some not so good. Some are necessary for life. Uh, some are unnecessary for life. It's just things we picked up along the way that we don't need anymore. But all that can be changed if you access the blueprint and change the blueprint. Once I understood that, I got so excited really excited and opened up the clinic and the school in 1997 and it grew to be Canada's largest and I sold it seven years ago now because I got sick so I had to sell it but um, I'm still seeing clients two days a week so there's nothing better than seeing that light go on someone's eyes when they get it because uh, they get it I don't get it they get it and um, and and books and teaching passing on Passing the torch, I call it passing the torch. Yeah. Hmm. That's excitement. That is excitement, yeah. Book number five, another favorite of mine. Loving What Is, Four oh. Questions That Can Change Your Life, by one Katie. Oh, Byron Katie, don't you love her? She is a no-nonsense, yes. kind, gentle soul. Talk about no woo-woo. She slices through psychobabble like a samurai sword. She doesn't care about all the extra this and that and the other. She wants to know, does it work? You know, is it true? Mm -hmm. Why are you holding on to this? Her work is powerful. And again, this is another book I refer to people all the time. Yeah. I've watched her on stage many a time when she used to do her free events. 
and never failed to see people walk away, walk off that stage as if somebody had taken the weight of the world off their shoulders. Yeah. And yeah, she's, I mean, she's brilliant. She's brilliant. And you can't listen to some of her CDs uh, and some of her, the experiences without it affecting you. No, you can't. And, and I, again, I, I recommend to my clients, she's running these chats from the stage on Zoom, check in with her. She's brilliant. Yeah. In a gentle, kind, loving way. Just four questions. And yeah. she, she asks them in a way that you can't get out of. It's very funny. Yeah. 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 And it works. It works. Mm. Yeah. So book number six, this is where you sneaked in a few different <laughs> authors there. The Collected Poems of Audrey Lord, 1997. <gasps> when my heart needs to sing and my soul needs nurturing, you said, I often turn to poetry. Yes. How can you not listen to poets like Rumi? Um, Alice Walker, Audre Lorde, um, who else did I say? Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou, please. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, sometimes I have to stop reading because I'm weeping. Um, uh, listen to this of Rumi. Bread exists to be broken to sustain its purpose. The grape on the vine is wine in the making. Crush it and it comes alive. I mean, the head part of you says, yes, of course. And the heart part of you says, but that's what happens to me and you and everybody. Mm. And then there's Audre Lord. There's a timbre of voice that comes from not being heard, of knowing you're not being heard, noticed only by others, not heard for the same reason right yeah mm. if i the overriding feeling of reading poetry and words that are strung together like pearls on a string that are glistening and shimmering and and deeply touching firstly is awe and secondly is jealousy i won't be able to write like that i know and it's it's it seems to be that poetry doesn't seem to be very popular these days. You know? Well, except it's hard. Except you think it is? Well, we have speaking poets. There's, there's, there's young yeah. poets coming up through the internet and through, um, I think it's TikTok or whatever, and they are speaking poets. And it's a different generation, but I think we're beginning to understand it again and the power of it. So. I don't know if it's, I mean, Wordsworth, Tennyson, Shakespeare, yeah, and Rumi, that they're all still there, but these new young ones have a different voice and a different message, and some of them are equally deeply moving. There's no question. Mm. Oh, no question. I think, really, I should, you know, revise what I said to how hard it is for them to get published these yes. days. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm. Yes, yes. Yeah. But of course, if they're reaching their audience directly, which they can now, mm -hmm. you know, that's a different thing, isn't it? Yeah, they're not getting yeah. paid, that's the only thing. They're not getting paid. Yeah. 
it's yeah. hard to get anything published right now. I, I think I told you my new book from mm. Victim to Victory is now with my wonderful agent. And um, she's out there selling it, I hope. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, it's very hard to get published these days. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's so interesting. I mean, you and I have both been in the media for so long and we've seen all the changes. And to suddenly see that, you know, nowadays the some of the big publishers are watching some of the self-publishing. Yes. And as soon as somebody hits a certain magic number, wow, then they'll take them on. Yes. But not before. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I also was surprised when I first was published about what a lackadaisical industry it is in any in many ways. You know, when you when you think about the promotions of other um, retailers, because that's what they are, booksellers, right? Retailers, they don't promote in store or around store. If they do, you have to pay for it. So it's mm -hmm. very different. Very different industry, totally different. Now, nowadays, even some of the big publishers are asking authors to hire their own editors. Mm. 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 Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they'll do the final editing. Yes. But before the manuscript com comes to them, they want to know that it's been through, you know, an Very editor's extra. hands. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a different industry now. And on the one hand, I think it's quite good because it's leveled the playing field. And more and more people can get published or self-publish. Yeah. And there's lots of ways to do that. But of course, it's really not about actually printing the book. It's about promoting the book. That's right. Yeah. Getting it out there. Letting That's people the hard part. It. That's the hard part. Distribution is also a hard part. Yeah. 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 But it's worth it. And it's worth it if you can get your feelings, your words, your help out there. <clears throat> if you can... Excuse me, if you can spread the word about others, because I don't know, people like this book. Mm. And what about Tuesdays with Mari? Yeah. Mm. Right? Simple story, but so touching, so beautiful, so emotional. I think these stories still tell, still sell. And it's interesting, isn't it? How, you know, maybe if it hit a publisher on a different day, yes. somebody wouldn't have picked it up. I yeah. mean, when you look at, you know, Watership Down went through 69 different publishers, JK Rowling, you know, I, I mean, some of these incredible, Down. yeah, 69 publishers it went through. Wow. And, um, you know, that's a lot of persistence there. Many people would have given up long before, but it's got to hit the right person on the right day Right. Know, who's open to it on that day yeah, and uh, yeah yeah mm. i haven't read that for a while it's on my shelf somewhere in the other room yeah it's mm. a beautiful story it is a beautiful story what, what so mind for you just thinking about you know how many people have tried to get published and it took them okay. a long long time mm -hmm. and you have to admire their persistence um but here's somebody who has no problem getting published Number seven on your list is How to Know God, The Soul's Journey into the Mystery of Mysteries by Deepak Chopra. Oh, he's one of my heroes, by the way. Is he? And I'll tell you why. Because when I first encountered him and started listening to him and watching him, he kept saying things like, I am not your guru. I can only put out what I teach. And if you pick it up, it's yours. 
And that's been a belief of mine. You know, we always like people who think like us. Right? We always think, oh, they're mm -hmm. smart because they think like I do. Because um, I hate people who try to say mine is the only way. Um, so, but he doesn't do that. He, he puts out information. He shares what he knows with um, love and kindness. And if you want to pick it up, go ahead. You want to use it, go ahead. It's yours. And that's what I admire about him. He also got me to um, look at God in a different way. Another one, how to know God, the soul's journey into life mysteries. Yeah, mm -hmm. different views of God, different religious views of God, different um, tribal views of God. And coming back always to the one creator, the one being that we believe is larger than us that helps create world around us and us and and just it's just beautiful it's a beautiful writer he writes to the heart from one heart to another i think yeah and of course he's got that medical background which helps with when he writes about health yes. now i just happen to really admire his work and admire him and the way he shares his work yeah god's consciousness yeah now you um you hosted a few shows for uh, Shirley MacLaine, did you ever get an opportunity to interview Neil Donald Walsh or um, Deepak or any of your heroes? No, I've, I've interviewed some people. Um, I've interviewed Jermaine Greer um, years ago when I was freelance writing for, for um, Ms. Magazine. Um, but no, I have not. I would like to. Maybe in my next book I will. The current book I interviewed, um, because as I said, victims of victory, people who started off in life in unfortunate circumstances, and some of those people are well-known people. I have a composer, I'm not giving names away because you have to read the book, um, a composer who's an award-winning composer, writes for Taylor Swift, a Hollywood actor producer, um, a very well-known financial guy, um, a comedian, um, names you know, and all these people have overcome through resilience when they were quite young mm. um, and said, this life's not for me. I'm gonna do something about it. So they left, sometimes living on the streets, selling drugs, selling themselves, starving, but knowing, knowing that this, uh, they had to do something. They had to leave where they were and do something. One of my stories is about a, a, a Paralympian who uh, grew up in a very happy, loving family, but had an accident in the summer job he was doing. Uh, he had a, a football scholarship at State University, which everyone was very proud of, but the accident, he fell off a ladder and feet first and crushed his whole spine. So he became paraplegic at 18. So he decided either to die or not to die. He thought his life was over. And he kept going and he went to university and he has retrained his body <clears throat> We're now 20 years later when he's a now public speaker. So when he finishes his speech, he gets up off his wheelchair and he, as he says, he lurches, he can't walk upright yet, but he lurches across the stage. The power of his mind, he's retrained his body to walk. I mean, these are amazing stories. People are magical if only they know it. Only they believe it. If they believe it, yeah. 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 
So and that's that's something that you find in hypnotherapy. Yes. Um, you know, when you watch somebody who uh, is told that, you know, a feather is a cigarette burning their arm, and then you actually see the arm respond, then you have to know that there is so much more to us. Yes. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I have a colleague who works with people who've had strokes, and he um, retrains the brain to move the limb that's yeah. paralyzed. Yeah. We're extraordinary creatures, and that's what got me excited about hypnosis. Yeah. But the good secret is to get your client excited about their brain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, just earlier I had um, uh, a text from a client of mine whose husband has had some kind of brain injury, and she said it's absolutely fascinating watching um, the people that are working with him now, and they're actually retraining his brain. She said, yes. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, we can do amazing things. Uh, yeah. There's a couple of books on that. What's it called? Brain? It's gone out of my head right now. I've got them in my other room. Um, not brain that retrains itself. Yeah, yeah. I forget the name. Yeah, but there, there's some books about that. And uh, yeah, once we understand the power of our mind, once we understand that we can pretty well do anything through the subconscious mind, when I get teens in with anger, one of the things, apart from reading that book, is I get them to numb their hand with the power of their mind. So that when I pinch it like this with my nails and leave a mark on the skin and they don't feel it and they go, holy shit, that's amazing. Jeez. I said, well, if you can do that, you don't have to punch a hole in the wall. If yeah. you can do that, you can do your homework. If you can do that, you can be anything you want to be. Yeah. And they, they get it because once they understand, I think we should teach hypnosis in schools. I really do. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of things we should be teaching in schools <laughs> other than what we are teaching, for sure. Yeah. Let's move on to number eight, which, which is another book that comes up again and again. Victor Frankl, Man's Search uh, for Meaning. Yes. And what, there you go. There's a man who used his mind to Stay sane. change. Stay yeah. sane. He was in concentration camp, people dying, literally all around him, literally dying all around him. And he did what he could to stay sane. I'm looking yeah. at my notes on it. Um, his quote, I use again all the time and I have framed up in my clinic, between stimulation and response, there's a space. In that space is your power, your power to choose your response. And therein lies your growth and your freedom. Yeah. And that is it. That's everything. We get to choose how we respond to life, how you respond to COVID, how you respond to the irritating person behind the desk, how you respond to anything. We get to choose. And mm -hmm. once you get that, that's very much like the four agreements. Once you get that, between that quote and this, you're, you're going to be pretty well perfect. <laughs> it's something to aim for. I mean, it's kindness, right? Choose, choose your power. Choose yeah. how you're going to use it. Yeah. And once you realize that you can choose and you see the results of that, then why would you not want to choose? That's right. 
Mm -hmm. I, yesterday I had an email and I can't, I'm not going to give you his name from a client I had maybe 10 years ago. He was a young man who was confused about his identity. He came a very, very strong male dominated Italian family. He was the youngest child of four brothers. Um, and he had great doubts about himself from all levels. He knew he didn't want to go in the family business. And I worked with him for quite a few years. Anyway, he wrote me an email yesterday that says, I know you haven't heard from me. I've got to find it if I can, if it's not to, I'll paraphrase. Um, I know you haven't heard from me for a while, uh, but I just wanted to share some good news. I have got in as an intern into, I've graduated med school. The first one in his family that went to university, by the way, graduated med school. I've got an internship at, I forget, one of the big hospitals in the southern states. Cor not Cornell. Um, it's gone out of my head. Um, and and, and in neurology. And I just wanted to thank you for the time you spent with me and showed me the possibilities of what I could be. I wept. Mm. I mean, extraordinary. Yeah. Once, once they get it, once they understand that you can be whoever you want to be. If you want to be miserable and you want to be um, looking down at the gutter all the time instead of the stars, then that's what you want. But that doesn't have to be your life you can choose. And that's what these books helped me understand and helped me pass on to my clients. I hope that's come across clearly. Yeah. Well, the next one is, is a game changer for many, many people. Life Between Lives, Michael Newton. I mean, so many books that he wrote. Um, you know, he wrote a book for hypnotherapists for spiritual regression. Uh, memories of the afterlife, stories of personal transformation. Um, when did you come across that work? I mean, how long had you been a hypnotherapist when you understood that you could actually do regression? Maybe two years. Um, remember growing up in England, we believe in that stuff anyway. You know, it's not weird. It's not like North America, everybody thought it was weird. I mean, I always believed in fairies at the bottom of the garden and ghosts and all that. It's, it's, a, it's a so what? It was a so what sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I studied under Henry Bolduc for past life regression. I went to the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. And while I was there, I met someone who talked about um, life between lives and Michael Newton. And I liked it because he was research-based. So I started um, reading some of his writings and then I found out that he was teaching in England. So I flew to his class in England. Uh, it was his last class that he taught, funnily enough, and, um, and learned from him directly. And also learned that he's very quirky, <laughs> which a lot of wonderful people are. And um, it was fascinating and life-changing, of course, that because it's confirming because we all know deep within us somehow we know this is not it right this is not it this is just an iteration of it so uh i got him to sign my um 
workbook. And then a few months later, he asked me to write a chapter for one of his books, for one of my cases, because he was fascinated by one of my cases. So I, I did, which was very nice, which was lovely. It was interesting because he believes in past life, but he didn't believe in ghosts. Why did he not believe in ghosts? He thought it was made up. He didn't believe in entity attachments. He thought it was a diversion for the uh, subconscious mind um, and, and didn't think that it was real. So we'd have discussions about that. <laughs> and I wasn't the only one who had discussions with that, about that with him. Yeah, so he's very strongly believed in life between lives, of course. And he did magnificent research about it and on it for years. But he did not believe in a spirit attachment or ghosts. Hmm. So while we're on this subject, tell us about um, the TV program that you did for CBC. Oh, that was fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, one day I had a call from the CBC when I had my clinic, I had a call from the CBC saying, Georgina, this is the Sunday morning news show. We'd like to do a 20 minute piece on past life regression. Uh, we'd like to come to your clinic and do that. And I said, uh, sorry, no. She said, but what, what do you mean? So I said, well, this is not a circus. It's not something that you do, it's not showbiz. This is serious. She said, this is the CBC, we are serious. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. I said, I tell you what, in two weeks, I'm giving a course. If you wanna come, and her name is Sarah, she was a producer. If you wanna to come to the course as a student and you'll see why I'm saying that. So she's great, I'll bring a camera crew. No, 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 no. You come by yourself as a student. At the end of the four days, she was blown away and she understood what I was getting at. And then she said, uh, leave it with me, I'll get back to you. So she came back a few weeks later, I've forgotten about it by then. And she said, I've got a budget to do a three one hour series. And I said, on what? And she said, well, we'll choose 33 people and you can't have met them because we have to keep it clean. And we want to be sure that we can trace the history and get some um, verification of the lives. So I said, okay, as long as you make sure that in each section, you show the wisdom that was learned from those journeys, because that's the point of it. So she promised to do that. And then they brought in 33 people I'd never met. And out of those 33, we got 10 that had full verifiable lifetimes. And I mean verifiable. We had others that went back so early that they couldn't verify them. Mm -hmm. They went back to cave times or the back, So they couldn't, they couldn't actually document. They lived there this time. That was their name. They couldn't do that. We had one woman who went back to being, I'm not sure it was ancient Greece or ancient somewhere. And she said she was dressed in robes that shimmered and she was the healer for the town and people would come to her. And I said to her, and so tell me, how do you heal? And she said, well, my voice, of course, like, are you stupid or something? So I said, well, how is your voice? And she opened her mouth and out came this sound that I'd never heard before. And the camera guy and the producer were, and it was like, and it came out of her. So I said, thank you very much. And we had a couple of things like that, but the 10 that they could verify, because um, they have researchers all around the world, like all key uh, 
broadcasting companies do. Um, they chose three that made good television. And uh, that's how it happened. And they were one hour um, shows called Past Life Investigation or PLI. Did it include anything on lives between lives? No, it was just no. past life. One guy had three, two lives. One is a bootlegger and one is a Jesuit priest. He had two lives. He slipped from one to another, which was very funny. Uh, and he was a 60 year old who'd come out of the closet quite recently and swore like a trooper and never stopped smoking, even on camera. Um, and um, at one point he, he said, Jesus Christ, what am I doing with a Bible in my hand? A Bible, what am I doing with a Bible? <laughs> and so it was very funny. He went back to Dublin to where he was trained. He explained the monastery exactly, exactly. We had another woman who spoke another language that she didn't speak in this lifetime. So what did those people learn? I mean, what did the bootlegger learn? I mean, was there something that he took from both of those lives that helped him in this life? Yes, he learned that um, he doesn't have to try so hard because, you know, he was he was desperately, now he was free, he could be gay any way he wanted, he was flashy and doing all the things that are like a character caricature of himself. He could learn, he could relax and be free and be truly who he was, that he's all everything. He's a priest. He's a bootlegger. He's a real estate agent. That was Did not... you tell the producer that you could do lives between lives? I mean, that would have blown their minds, I would think. Well, they, they weren't ready for that. Remember, this is 10 years ago, maybe even more now. This was pretty avant-garde then. Mm. It was the first one. No, no, they wouldn't have been ready for that. So when did you first do a life between life? Was that a spontaneous thing or something that you set out to do? Well, something I set out to do. When I learned it from Michael, I set out to do it. I, I, I knew there was more. I mean, once you start this work, you know there's more. You just have to be careful which, which pa passage you go down. Because if you're not careful, you can do what I call spiritual bypass and, and become somebody who thinks they know everything and therefore can translate and transmute people into anything for themselves. My belief system, and it's only my belief system, is that my role is to help people find their own way, transmute themselves their way. I will help them. I'm like the usher in the cinema, you know, I'll help you to find your seat, but I'm not gonna be the show for you. I'm not gonna show you the show. I'm not gonna tell you what the show is. I'm gonna help you get there. I'll do what I can, for you to have a clear picture of what you need to do, but I'm not going to do it for you. Do you um, still do past life regression? Oh, yes. Life between lives? Yeah, in fact, I've got one book this afternoon right after you. Yeah, at two, what time is she due? Two o'clock. Are you doing them um, over Zoom at the moment? Yes, oh, yes. And you find that works just as well? Just as well, because it's all yeah. in the client's mind, yeah. yeah. And the life between lives, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Has there been anything that has really um, shifted your perceptions or shaken you up um, doing that kind of work? Any particular stories or circumstances? I've had some wonderful, wonderful life-changing stories of people, people who found their identity, who, a woman who didn't know her own name. She 
had lost her name, her mind, she had trauma. And through past lives, um, she got her family back. She got her whole family, found out what had happened to her. Um, yeah, it was, that's the book. That's the story that's in Michael's book, Michael Newton's book. Um, I've had other people who have an understanding that they are, they feel lost in this life and they don't know what their path is. And sometimes they come to the understanding that they are their path, that everything they touch and every person they speak to and every action they take is a manifestation of the way they touch them, speak to them, engage with them. And that changes their whole perspective. And that I can't tell people to do that. They have to understand that. What about your own belief system? I mean, did doing this work add anything, change anything there? It's made it deeper and richer. I mean, I've always known we're more than we seem. I've always known. Um, I've always known that uh, that we're not just here to eat and sleep and live um, or be a victim of somebody else. Um, and I've always, oh, what I did find out in doing my life between lives, but my soul thumbprint, because we all have a soul thumbprint, we've been from lifetime to lifetime, is teacher. And when I look back over all my careers, because I've had many, I've been a teacher, as a journalist, as, as a, a working with clients, teaching them. I've been a teacher. All my life, I've been a teacher of some sort or another. So, so you think that we, we incarnate with themes? I believe we have a thumbprint. So it can be, um, it can be something like artist. Uh, it can be joy bringer. It can be um, uh, matchmaker, and by matchmaker, I don't mean lovers. I, I mean bringing people together for their best uh, success in life, both health and, and well-being. Um, yeah, this, I, I believe so. I believe we have a thumbprint. Mm -hmm. And you've been regressed? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I got rid of my migraines through my regression. That's interesting. Yeah. Tell us about that. I was in the class and we were practicing and the young guy, I was young too, the young person, the person I was practicing with said, uh, anything you want to look for in your past life? I said, well, let's see if we can find out how to get rid of my migraines because they drive me crazy. So he uh, led me into hypnosis. And the next thing I recognize is this stench, this disgusting ugh, smell. And I realized it was me. And I had barely no teeth and filthy stringy hair, dressed in rags, living in a cave. And I lived in a cave outside of a village. And I would be the woman that collected the herbs to help the women give birth or have an abortion or if they had female troubles. But they ignored me uh, most of the time and they didn't, um, didn't wanna hear what I had to say. And I was close to starving most of the time. By the way, that's been a theme through much of my past lives and my current life. That's close to starvation. Um, so I was close to starvation. 
um, many times in, in that life. If they remembered to feed me, that's how they paid me. Otherwise, what I could gather from the mountainside. One day I was called down to help a woman give birth and um, it was breech and the baby was huge and the baby died and the woman died. So the two helpers that have been there with me, the women from the village disappeared and left me with the two bodies. So I had to dig a hole with my hands and bury the baby and the woman. So I dragged myself up to the cave, exhausted, blooded, tired, hungry, of course, fell asleep. And the next thing I know, I'm being kicked awake by this man who accuses me of murdering his wife. He is drunk and infuriated. He's beating me up and he picks up this rock and bashes me on the side of my head right here. And that's why I die. He smashes my brain. And that's where I used to get my migraines. And I came out of there shaken, as you can imagine. We did all the healing necessary, we did everything we needed to do, but I've never had a migraine since. Hmm. Interesting, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm grateful. I'm sure that you've probably had many clients who've similar kinds of things have happened. Oh yes, lots, lots. Yeah. Is that your favorite thing to do? Regression? It's one of the procedures I use as part of the whole. Um, when people come in for a past life, maybe we do that. But sometimes it's just part of a whole treatment of processes because I want people to understand that it's not spiritual bypass. Sometimes it's something you picked up in this life, either learned behavior or survival behavior that we have to let go in this life. So let's look at both. So it's a tool. Mm. Yeah. Let's move on to book number 10, which you have already held up and showed us, which is Tuesdays with Molly by oh, Mitch yes, 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 yes. And tell us what it was about this book that affected you so much. Humility. The humility and innate kindness of both of them, both protagonists, both Mori and his student. Um, and how they both came at both opposite ends of the spectrum, student, professor, dying ill, young life. How they came together in, in grace. That's the only word I can use for it. It's grace and humility. It was just beautiful. It was beautiful. And when did you read that book? Um, when it came out, I don't know how long has it been It out. was published in 1997. Yeah, well, that's when I read about it. That's when I read yeah. it. This is, I, I just got another, I keep giving away my copies. I just noticed this is a second-hand copy. I always give away my books, so then I miss it. <laughs> you give away your children? Yes, I give away my children. <laughs> because they do good for other people. I give away my children, yes. Yes, I just noticed this is a second-hand book. So it's, it used to belong to L. Hugh. So I get better book. I get it from better books. I, I thought duplicates of... If I went through my books, well, I won't go into that now. <laughs> so, so that's your 10 books. Now, presumably, then, the book number one um, was The Four Agreements is your yes. favourite of all time. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Okay. What are you reading now? <gasps> 
I'm reading a funny book. I'm reading two books, actually. I'm reading The Life of Cleopatra, fascinating woman. This is the historical life of her. Um, ballsy, funny, clever, um, way ahead of her time, supporting other women, helping other women get an education, extraordinary woman. And I've just been given a book, and I forget the name of it because it was given to me last night as a birthday gift. It's not here, it's in the living room. It's a funny book about, um, is it in, a Canadian author about um, who leaves the government and goes into the PR world. And the person who gave it to me said, you'll love it, it's hysterically funny and it will seem very familiar to you. So I'm looking forward to that one. Is it a novel or? It's a novel. Oh, it's a, it's a novel. novel. Novel based on truth. <laughs> ah, okay. Couple of things before we go. I want to ask you about one of your keywords or key phrases, lover of colors. What yeah. is it about color that you love so much? Oh, it lifts me. Uh, my office has yellow in it. Yellow, yellow and white. Um, people who knew me, they sent me flowers on Sunday for my birthday and I got lots of yellow and white. I, when you look out <clears throat> into my apartment, the walls are different colors. I have paintings everywhere. Everybody, since I was, I earned my first salary, I spent it on a picture, it was probably a poster, but I've got on my office wall, I've got blue framed picture of ballet dancer shoes. I've got multicolor picture that I picked up in Israel. I've got everywhere. Any particular color that you prefer? Yellow, I love yellow. Yellow, yellow. yellow, or yellow orange, uh, blue, like a, a deep blue. This. And is that from your studies of color? Um, no, because my well, no, because my studies of color would, if I thought about it from an intellectual point of view, um, would be all in my head. Like yellow is is intellect, and so no, that's it's interesting. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just something that you have an affinity for. Mm. Well, Georgina, it's been fascinating listening to your stories and also um, about your experiences and your books as well. Um, I don't see any more questions in the chat room. Um, thank you for joining us. Well, they can no, email me if they have questions. They can, well, where can they email you? Uh, Georgina at GeorginaCannon.com. Okay. And obviously that's where they can find out more about you, your books, what you're doing next, sign up for your newsletter, which I know is very popular. Yes, we've got 2,000 people on it, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Georgina Cannon, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. And to you at home, thank you for joining us. Uh, if you want to see more of these, you can sign up on the website. And if you want to be on the list for last minute reminders then go to the video page where we will be posting this video next week and you can sign up for the save my space list and get the last minute interviews that's it for today thank you for being here and we'll be back at the same time next week till then bye bye